and welcome to episode number 67 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a few things that have been in the media lately, a lot of them surrounding your digital security, a couple of them touching on politics, and all of them kind of questioning the sanity of the world that we live in. But hey, that's what makes it all fun, right? The last show we did, we talked about comedy and we got a lot of good feedback on that, including from my buddy Jay Finley, who threw in a contribution to the site just based on having Sam Kennison's picture on the cover art saying he knew it would have to be good. I hope the episode lived up to his expectations, but it was interesting hearing from people, some who had never heard of Sam Kinison and others who couldn't believe, as I had said in the episode, that we have a whole new generation of kids who are completely ignorant of a lot of these great comedians that have come before, which is maybe why we're going down this slippery slope where the youngsters seem to think that restricting speech is somehow a good thing. So thanks to everybody for the comments on that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. But let's start into the meat of today's show. The first is a Firefox issue, which, I mean, these browsers now, they should all update themselves automatically. But if you're using Firefox, you want to make sure you're now on the latest version due to a zero-day exploit that has been exploited in the wild, which is never a good thing. A lot of times people come up with these exploits and say, well, nobody's using them yet. So we patched it but nobody was using it yet. In this case, it was being exploited across all of the Firefox versions. That means if you're on Windows, if you're on Mac, or if you're on Linux, bad things could have happened to you while using the Firefox browser in the state before it was patched. The issue here was in a vulnerable JavaScript engine component. My buddy Ryan Bemrose will tell you, don't run scripts anywhere. I mean, I know that breaks a majority of websites, but it is the only way to make sure that you don't have an issue like this when there is a vulnerability. In this case, could be exploited by a remote attacker just by tricking you into visiting a maliciously crafted web page, which would execute code. And there you go. They got you. So as always, we have some simple suggestions. One is to always keep your software updated. In this case, that really wouldn't have helped you because the current version of Firefox had the issue before they updated it. But we're going to be running into this a lot more as tomorrow, January 14th, is the end of life day for Windows 7. So if you're using Windows 7, Microsoft is going to stop doing all of the updates. No more updates for features, obviously. But more importantly, no updates from the security side of things, which basically means you can continue using the software, but Microsoft is never going to update it. So in this case, highly recommended you move to a different operating system, whether that's Windows 10, Linux, or whatever else, it's probably time to be looking at something besides Windows 7. 
I've been using Windows 10 and have really never had any issues with it, but there's no doubt that Microsoft is taking the operating systems in a direction that is concerning to me and to my buddy Ryan Bemrose, who co-hosts the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast with me. And he's a guy who understands coding, worked for the big bad Microsoft in his career, and he doesn't like the way they are locking things down, requiring you to sign up for accounts more and more, or at least trying to get that to happen. A little tip that we learned, I think it was from our buddy Progo in the No Agenda Troll Room, available at noagendastream.com, that if you totally disconnect from the internet while you're installing Windows 10, you can get away with installing it without having to create a Windows Live account. Or maybe that was our buddy JC Jr. that had that tip. Either way, it's something to try. And recently, when we knew this was coming up, this is a big date when a major version of any operating system goes end of life. But there were still articles on that on sites like ZDNet and that to get your free upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10, something that Microsoft ran for a long time, but then allegedly discontinued. But there are some loopholes and you can still get it to happen if you want to. So you might want to check into that. Or this could be a good time to give Linux a try, depending on what you do on your computer. If you're not tied down, to things like the Adobe ecosystem, which is one that I really enjoy, which means I kind of have to choose between Windows and Mac. There is no Linux version of that software. But if you're a less than power user and all you do is email, websites, spreadsheets, those kind of things, you should have no problem giving Linux a try. It's free. And you have plenty of choices for good software to do word processing, office tasks, and that kind of stuff. So if you're on Windows 7, it's definitely time to make a change. Until you do, make sure you have some good antivirus software running to hopefully keep you safe and secure. Now, if you're running an Android phone, like I am, and a lot of people run Android, there's been another string of bad apps that have been removed from the Google Play Store that have been doing some very nefarious things to the phones that they were installed on. There are three main apps that you should be looking at here. They're called FileCrypt Manager and Camara, which both act as droppers which then connect your remote command and control server to download a DEX file, according to the hackernews.com. That then downloads the CallCam app and tries to install it by exploiting privilege escalation vulnerabilities or abusing accessibility features on the phone. This is all done, of course, without the end user having any idea that this thing is now on their phone and doing the nefarious stuff that it's doing. Once the call cam app is on the phone, it hides its icon from the menu and collects the following information from the compromised device, sending it back to the attacker's CNC server in the background. It collects your location, battery status, the files on your device, the installed app list for your device, 
your device's information, all of the device's sensor's information, camera information. It can take screenshots of what is currently shown on your phone. It can send your account information, Wi-Fi information, and data from WeChat, Outlook, Twitter, Yahoo Mail, Facebook, Gmail, and Chrome. I mean, who uses any of those, right? The Hacker News article also states that the malicious apps also try to exploit a separate vulnerability in the MediaTek SU driver to get root privilege and stay persistent on a wide range of Android handsets. Based on the overlap and location of the command and control servers, researchers have attributed the campaign to Sidewinder, which is believed to be an Indian espionage group that has historically targeted organizations linked to the Pakistani military. Some truly cloak and dagger stuff, and you're probably not the ones they're looking for, but hey, you don't want this stuff on your phone either. But it reminded me of the story that John McAfee told on the latest episode of That Larry Show over at thatlarryshow.com, where he did a great interview with John McAfee, who was talking about how he got information about his rivals. This is how he stayed safe, according to him, that by keeping up with the information, if, if you got the dirt on somebody else, that there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to mess with you. So his solution was to send a bunch of laptops to the secretary or wives or somebody close to the people that he wanted to get the information about because he knew sending it directly would be a little bit too on the nose. But if somebody noticed that their secretary had a new, better laptop than they did, well, of course, they're going to procure it or their mistress, their wife, their daughter, whoever. Somebody has one of these laptops. They were probably going to procure it or at the very least, it was going to wind up on the same network, which would probably give him a foothold into the information anyway. But definitely check out the interview that Larry did with John McAfee over at that Larry show, because this kind of stuff is becoming a lot easier. You don't have to send a laptop to somebody. You can just simply get them to download an app on their phone. And a lot of times these apps get a lot of downloads, including the biggest maybe security problem on an Android app right now is from an app called TikTok. I mean, if you're over 12, you probably don't have it on your phone. But it seems like a lot of kids are really into this TikTok thing. It's a new video type Instagram type thing, I suppose. I haven't tried it out. I guess I'm old, but I'm glad I don't have this on my phone because the security problems with TikTok are not something that I want to deal with. And they're probably not something you want to deal with either. There are a lot of people who are dealing with this, though, because TikTok, according to the Hacker News, third most downloaded app of 2019. They've already been under intense scrutiny because of concerns about user privacy and censoring politically controversial content. But now researchers have shown that the app is not exactly the bastion of security that you might hope these apps that you let reside on your devices are. The reported vulnerabilities in TikTok include several issues like SMS link spoofing, open redirection, cross-site scripting, 
when combined, could allow a remote attacker to perform some high-impact attacks on your device, including deleting any videos from your TikTok profile, which, I mean, okay, that doesn't seem all that bad when it comes to the things that could be done. They can also upload unauthorized videos to a victim's TikTok profile. Now, that is a little bit more malicious. I mean, we're living in the world of deepfakes. And if you've never heard of deepfakes, you haven't been listening to Random Thoughts long enough, and you should go back and check out the deepfakes episode. But just think about that. You get access to somebody's TikTok account, and then you post a video that looks like they're saying something completely racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever you want, and upload that. It has a lot more weight now because it's coming from their own account. And I mean, of course, if you were going after somebody, you could maybe upload some child porn or something and then watch the fireworks. You could also make somebody's hidden videos public, as well as revealing personal information on the account, such as your private address and email. The attack on this particular app uses an insecure SMS system that TikTok offers on its website to let users send a message to their phone number with a link to download the video sharing application. Again, the best advice is don't download anything onto your phone that you absolutely need. And usually you could say, well, just avoid any of the smaller apps from companies that you're not familiar with. In this case, TikTok, one of the top three apps of the year, would be considered far from being obscure. So even the biggest apps out there could have these types of vulnerabilities. So the best advice is don't download anything that you don't absolutely need. Don't download anything brand new. And it is time if you're not using some kind of antivirus, anti malware solution on your Android device that it might be time to install one. But also make sure that you're not installing malware in the guise of being anti-malware. Go with one of the larger antivirus solutions out there, Trend Micro, Bitdefender, something like that. Don't go with a company you'd never heard of that's promising to protect your phone because they're probably just going to pwn you. And for parents, if your kids are using TikTok, and they probably are, you might want to delete it from their phone or hell, follow the advice and take the phone away entirely from them, which, of course, was something that we had brought up on the latest Grumpy Old Beds where my buddy Larry Blydener joined me, where we talked about hate speech. There was a senator that proposed a bill, even though he said he wouldn't vote for it himself, that anyone under the age of 21 shouldn't be allowed to use or own a cell phone. And you know what? That is sounding more sane each in every day. But we talked about in one of the last episodes the guy who burned an LGBTQ flag and got over 15 years in prison, even though that was the crime. He stole a flag, he burned it. That was it. Nobody was hurt, nobody was assaulted. But because it was an LGBTQ flag, it was a hate crime. And of course, that's where the 15 year sentence comes in. Now, I want to tell you about a story that you may have heard about already because this happened last October. A Florida man caught on surveillance camera assaulting an elderly man who was wearing a Make America Great Again cap. 
The incident happened last October 25th. The guy was with two friends at a local sports bar when this guy walked up to him, said, you should go back to Russia, you fucking communist, and then slapped the hat off the guy's head and then spit on him. He got into his car and left the scene, but the guy that was assaulted wrote down the car's license plate number. The police tracked this guy down and arrested him, and he reportedly said that he did assault the guy to protect the police, he said. Quote, I was just trying to protect you guys because I support law enforcement. Trump supporters are communist and racist. I don't even care that I'm going to jail. This is actually exciting. I mean, this is Trump derangement syndrome in the extreme. This 43-year-old that assaulted the 67-year-old, his name is Matthias Apple, I guess it is, A-J-P-L-E. He's a registered Democrat, and the judge found him guilty of battery against the 67-year-old Robert Youngblood. The guy pleaded no contest and was sentenced to 90 days in jail, along with paying $155 in restitution, which will reportedly be used to replace the MAGA hat, and one year of supervised probation. So here you go. Here's the America that we are currently living in. When a guy that disagrees with homosexuality takes a flag off a building and burns it and causes no physical harm to any human being, he gets over 15 years in jail. When someone who disagrees with somebody's hat, in this case, a Make America Great Again cap, and actually assaults a human being, gets 90 days in jail. These two things don't seem to make sense to me. I mean, if you go with a hate crime because somebody burns an LGBTQ flag, don't you have to go with a hate crime because somebody targets somebody by their hat? In this case, by their political viewpoint. Why is that not a hate crime? I'm not understanding this, Florida, why this guy isn't being charged with a hate crime. I mean, we talked about hate crimes, as I said, in the last grumpy old Benz, and we agreed that the whole concept is a farce because knowing what's in somebody's heart and adding more protection to certain groups doesn't make sense. Everybody should have the same protection. And this just proves how screwed up of a system that we are dealing with when somebody gets 15 years for burning a piece of cloth and somebody gets 90 days for assaulting a senior citizen. I mean, that's just me. I mean, if you don't agree with this kind of stuff, it's time to start standing up. I mean, hell, you know what? You can sit down. However you want to do it, contact your Congress critters and tell them that you're not going to take it anymore, that this kind of BS has got to stop and sanity must return at some point. Or we're just going to go down that slippery slope to complete anarchy, which is exactly what a lot of people are hoping for. Another story that just kind of epitomizes the insanity going on, this time involving social media, which, I mean, I get it. If it's involving social media in the least, it's probably going to have some kind of insanity attached to it. 
a Christian pastor, a Facebook user, had his account suspended for three days over a simple post that was meant to criticize Iran and their homophobic policies. I mean, you would think that would be good, right? I mean, this seems to be, when it comes to social media now, they're the social justice warriors. They want everybody to be equal. They want everybody to just agree with anything that everybody else wants to do because, well, unless you're on the right. But it seems like this guy was on the right side for the social media crowd. The post in question said this, quote, the LGBTQ supporting Iran is like chickens supporting KFC. According to Facebook, that went against their guidelines, telling this pastor that the statement made the LGBTQ less than human. I don't know if they quite understand how making comparisons work or how analogies work, but the statement now, I guess, to Facebook that the LGBTQ supporting Iran is like chicken supporting KFC means that you think the LGBTQ crowd is a bunch of subhuman animal birds that are eaten and are very tasty when fried. Is this really the kind of stuff that you want to see censored? I mean, if it is, I continue using Facebook and all of these other outlets and just go along and don't stand up and say anything. Otherwise, you know, it's time to have a great exodus from these things. But these situations show what happens when you start taking speech and looking at things and making certain speech hate speech or making certain speech illegal. You now have people interpreting things in absolutely crazy ways because I don't think anybody within the sound of my voice would believe that that comparison saying that the LGBTQ community supporting what's going on in Iran are like chickens supporting KFC. I don't think anybody is making that connection, but it's showing just how running scared the world is about saying the wrong thing. And when people start getting scared to speak, they have no voice whatsoever. In a statement to the website, The Blaze, the pastor said, my post was in no way hateful. I was making the point that totalitarian Muslims in Iran persecute and execute LGBTQ people. On the other hand, freedom-loving Christians in America disagree with their immorality, but would never hurt them. It is strange and ironic that the LGBTQ community would take the side of those who would murder them if they could. That seems reasonable and rational to me, but I guess not to those in charge at Facebook who have to look at all these dangerous things being posted and make sure not only are these things being removed, but the people that post them must serve their sentence. But to end the show on a little bit of a lighter note, there's a story that caught my eye this morning. The California Highway Patrol responded Saturday evening to an incident that turned out luckily to be a hoax. An unnamed female child reportedly crafted a sign that said, Help me! She's not my mom! and flashed it 
while riding in the back seat of her mother's vehicle. <laughs> Yay, kids! What a great sense of humor! You can only imagine the reaction, rightfully so, to such a sign being held in the window of a car or SUV. It didn't really say. When you're passing by, of course, you see that if you're a reasonable human being, you're calling the police, and somebody did, or multiple people did, and the police responded in force to get this vehicle stopped. At least six units were called to the scene, including a canine unit, and they conducted what they call a high-risk traffic stop. I can only imagine exactly what that entailed, but I'm sure it got the mother's attention. The California Highway Patrol made a post about the incident saying, quote, the driver was contacted and it was determined that your juvenile had made it all up and thought it was a fun thing to do. They never do explain how old this kid was. I'm curious. I mean, old enough to write legibly and put it in the window. You had to understand what you were doing, I think. But they don't tell us how old the kid was. In today's society, hell, maybe they were 21. I don't know what juvenile means in California anymore, but I digress. The post continues. The mother was unaware of what her daughter was doing, and after it was determined that there was no foul play, the mother and daughter were allowed to leave the incident. This is a reminder that parents need to be aware of what their children are doing in the backseat at all times. Six CHP units were assigned to this call instead of responding to legitimate calls or patrolling their beats because of this hoax. Now, I'm not really sure if I agree with the ending of this posting from the CHP. I mean, I get it. It was a hoax, and maybe the kid needs to be taken out behind the woodshed, but I doubt they do that in California. But I don't understand how parents can keep an eye on children in the back seat. I mean, we all know your children have to be in the backseat up to a certain age because it's a much safer place. It's actually legislated that you have to have the kids in the backseat, probably rightfully so, due to the airbag situation. Again, depending how old the juvenile was. But with this said, I don't know how you can shame a parent into knowing what their child is doing in the seat behind them. I'm not sure exactly, but knowing California, Soon there'll be a new law that if you have a child that you need to drive around, you have to have somebody else in the back seat with them to babysit them to make sure they're not going to put a sign in the window that says, help me, this isn't my mommy. Just wait. You think it's ridiculous? It's coming. It's California. Of course it's going to come. Maybe it'll just turn into a brand new product from Ring or something like that where you can have a camera on your kid at all times and somebody else can watch them while you drive. I don't know. But in this case, I can't say the mother was at fault. I don't appreciate the CHP kind of shaming her with that. But with that said, I don't know anything about her parenting skill. So maybe she is at fault. Maybe I'm taking it too easy on her. I don't know. I wish they would have said how old the kid was. That would have at least added a little bit more to the story. But I guess we may never know. But I want to thank you for coming along on another episode of the Random Thoughts podcast. Just want to give a shout out to our buddy Craig from the Getting Cooked with Craig YouTube channel. He took the passing of legendary Rush drummer Neil Peart a little hard. 
rightfully so. The man definitely left his mark on the music industry and media of all sorts. He was a prolific author as well. So to Craig and all the Rush fans out there, we feel your pain as we mourn the passing of another great musician dying way too young at 67. Brain cancer. Fuck cancer. As the late, great Warren Zevon said, enjoy every sandwich. And we hope you're enjoying the Random Thoughts podcast. We know there are a lot of other podcasts you can be listening to and a lot of other things you could be doing with your entertainment time. And it truly is an honor that you're listening to our little podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Hit one of those subscribe buttons, Apple, Android, Stitcher, hell, even email. If you want to be OTG, you'll never miss an episode. And we work on the value for value model. As I mentioned up front, our buddy Jay Finley once again came in with a generous donation for our comedy episode. We all love Sam Kinison, another artist gone way too soon. And we appreciate the support from Jay Finley and everybody else who donates to this show and to Grumpy Old Ben's as we follow the value for value model we learned from the No Agenda podcast, noagendashow.com. If you're not listening to that one, you should be as well. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that a couple different ways. Random Thoughts Podcast, R-E-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts Podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow our account on Twitter, Random Podcast, again, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Podcast, or my personal account, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.